All right, I've got a quick thought exercise for you. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you write your answers down or raise your hand or um, have a deep, meaningful conversation with anyone in your pew. I just want you to think for a minute. When was the last time you did something really nice for someone else? Not something you got paid for or was expected of you by virtue of your job or position. For some of you, this is an easy exercise. Something pops right into your mind. For a few of you, this might require a little thought. All right, still going. When was the last time you did something nice for for a uh, did something nice for someone else for completely or as close to completely as possible selfless reasons? That is, you didn't expect anything in return. You weren't trying to save face or return a favor or make yourself look good. Your act was simply compassionate, kind, and helpful. When was that? Think about it. Okay. All right, one step further. When was the last time you did something nice like that for someone who wasn't related to you? Got to think a little bit harder about that one. All right, finally, when was the last time you did something like that for a stranger? Someone very different from you. Someone from whom you not only expected nothing in return, but from whom you knew could give you nothing in return. I know that there are a few of us here who can think of an act like that pretty quickly. Most of us can't. For most of us, sharing of ourselves, our time, our talent, our treasure, without expectation, without strings, is really hard. It's in our nature to take care of ourselves, to keep our resources safe, to expend our energy to benefit ourselves, our loved ones, our family. And on a human level, that makes a lot of sense. We need to protect our own. But on a heavenly level, it doesn't really jive. Our gospel this morning is often read as an anti-wealth message. And that is a fair reading. A very fair and accurate reading, to be honest. But you've likely heard that reading. And you've likely heard it from me. So I'm going to try something else this morning instead. Another look at... The story of Lazarus, the beggar, and the rich man is that it is an anti-isolationist message. That is, check out what happens when our friend the rich man thinks that his skin is the only skin worth saving. Check out the response when he chooses his stuff, his power, his wealth, his status, over relationships with other human beings. Check out what happens when he decides to make sure that his boat is the biggest, most important yacht on the lake, rather than using his resources to raise the other boats alongside him. It's lonely down there in Hades. It's easy to see what Lazarus needs. Lazarus needs food. Lazarus needs medical attention. He needs a safe place to live. But in addition to that, he needs, as all people need, to be noticed, to be spoken to with compassion, to be looked at with interest, to be known. 
Lazarus' physical needs are great, overwhelming even, but his emotional needs are also great. For as we know, man cannot live on bread alone. The unnamed rich man in our parable has riches for the sake of having riches. And the riches he has are inconsequential at best. He is insensitive to the needs of the others around him, and he is insensitive of his own need of those others. He is not only missing the opportunity to have his life enriched by meeting and getting to know a new person, he is missing the opportunity to fill his heart by practicing generosity, missing the experience of seeing the face of God in the other. His straits, as we learn, are even more dire than Lazarus's. Lazarus is acutely aware of his dependence on others. The rich man, on the other hand, is living under the illusion that he is self-sufficient, that his treasure is enough, that sharing it or himself will make him worthless. Worthless. He is under the misguided impression that he does not need Lazarus as much as Lazarus needs him. He is too proud to accept a beggar as a brother, even in the family of God. So while the parable of Lazarus and the rich man is certainly a warning against excessive and ostentatious wealth, it is also a clarion call reminding us that being in relationship with one another is not just a nice idea. It is vital vital to our own well-being in the here and in the beyond. The chasm that Lazarus and the rich man experience is something otherworldly. But the chasm that we have here is altogether man-made. When we talk about economic disparity, we are definitely talking about money. There's hard to deny that. But we are also talking about broken relationships. Relationship with each other, relationship with God, the one who created us, who loves us, who wants all good things for all of us, and, I think, wants all of us to contribute to those good things. Friends, we have been warned. We have been poked and we have been prodded. We've been cajoled and begged. We have been given parables and we have been given direct orders. Using our resources, our power, our wealth, our education, our time, our talents to help bring others up, it's not just a nice idea. It's proverb, it's parable, and it's gospel. Closing the gap isn't just good for our economy. It's good for our souls. God can be found anywhere everywhere. I believe that. But I also believe that God is most commonly found in between two people. God is in first meetings and in intense conversation. God is in reconciliation and in forgiveness. God is in helping up and helping out. Wherever two or three are gathered, God is with us. Do you want to experience God? Then experience humanity. 
The more you admit that self-reliance is just not the whole of human experience, the more you will open the eyes of your heart to see God at work in the world around you. Lazarus needed what the rich man wasn't willing to give. But the rich man wasn't even willing to admit that he needed Lazarus. The Hades that the rich man lived in was one of his own creation. Success, power, wealth, status are miserable if not used for good, to lift up, empower, feed, and clothe others. This is more than just doing something nice for someone, but that's a good place to start. Do something nice for someone that can't or won't repay you. Do something genuine for someone with no anticipation of return. Use the treasure you have, and we all have treasure, to give a gift to someone else and see how your heart is changed. So go out. Help a neighbor. Love a neighbor. Admit you need your neighbor. And then you will see God in your neighbor. Amen.